Good morning. Before we begin, I was reminded by Denise Carter that we should also be praying for Haiti. Um, I had that on my mind this week as well, and I just want to take a brief moment right now because we do have a lot of Haitian brothers and sisters, not only in this church, but in this community. Uh, So we say a a prayer for them in the natural disaster they just experienced uh, just recently. So let's pray. Lord, I want to also say a a prayer of blessing over the people of Haiti, um, especially those who are suffering greatly from this most recent, recent national disaster. God, I just pray uh, peace for those families. And I also pray peace for those families who are here or spread out all over the world that are, that are grieving for their families they can't get to or they can't communicate with. So I pray a special prayer of blessing over them, and I pray that we can continue as the body of Christ to lift them up through the coming days and weeks as they continue to rebuild from yet another uh, natural disaster they they and have so many. Um, I just want to pray for them this moment, uh, a prayer of peace and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I um, also wanted to remind you here, I'm caught up a little bit. Um, uh, we're starting on September 8th, uh, Wednesday Night Book Club. I'll be uh, teaching that. I guess it's more of a discussion. Uh, but this is the book you can see here, Surrender to Love. I've mentioned this book several times when I've been preaching it was a really great book that I kind of found at the beginning of quarantine last year, and it's been something I've gone back to over and over and over again. Uh, so it's just five weeks, uh, five chapters, five weeks, very simple. Uh, the, the reason why we're kind of going this way is because sometimes I think it's hard to commit to just like a long class, uh, but you can take this book and say, you know what, for five weeks, I'm going to be part of this class. We're going to read chapter by chapter together. Well, you're going to read on your own. We're going to talk about it together. And uh, it's just five weeks. Really, really, this book is like this thin, okay? Um, if you are interested, we have books in the office. Uh, we, we purchased 10. Uh, if you want to make a donation, they're $15. Or if you, you know, if you want to just take one, please just take one. It's a great book. I hope uh, we have some people come out Wednesday night, starting September 8th at 6.30 here at the building. Okay, that's my plug for that. And if you need child care, please let us know, and we'll try to make that available for you. Okay. Enough announcements from me today. Uh, We're talking about substance this morning, seeking substance and what that means. So to begin, I want to ask you a question. What is the one snack food you have liked your entire life? Just think about that for a minute, okay? Maybe as a kid you loved animal crackers or vanilla wafers. Those are not my favorites, okay? Uh, Maybe they were your favorites. My all-time favorite snack food, still to this day, and probably will be forever, are goldfish. Uh, I love goldfish. Every time I go to camp, I bring goldfish. Every time I go to Panama, I bring goldfish. I love goldfish. My dad, or my mom actually, would buy the small things of goldfish, and I knew it was over because my dad would take that entire package with him into the living room and eat out of it. Me and my sister would never get goldfish, uh, and I, and I, um, He's probably not watching right now, but I'm, I'm going to you know, put him on blast for this because he took my goldfish. Um, I, I talked to my wife about this when we first got married. I knew that we made it as a couple when we could buy that like, massive box of goldfish. And I could just eat as much as I wanted to. I, I, I knew I made it when I could buy all those goldfish. But maybe you have a snack food like that that kind of just you know, hits the spot for you. But think now for a second the difference between that snack food that you're, you know, having in your mind and like a steak dinner or, or a chicken sandwich or something that is a little bit more substantial, right? What's the difference? For me, it's, it's, I could eat like an entire bowl of goldfish and 
I might be full, but I'm not really full. You know what I mean? You, you, you felt this way before. There's a difference between eating a whole bowl of goldfish and eating like a steak dinner where you've had your protein. You've had maybe some vegetables to go along with it. There's a difference between being full of snack food and being full of real food. You know what I'm talking about, right? If you eat too much snack food, your, your stomach starts to hurt a little bit. You might be full of substance, but you're not full of substance, if you know what I mean. And one is more substantial than the other. One will sustain you throughout the day. The other will just give you a bad, you know, 45 minutes of of pain, right? And I bring this up because I think the difference between snack food and real food is kind of what Paul is getting at here in Colossians chapter 2. Now, in order for us to get to what Sean just read for us in Colossians chapter 2, we need to understand what Paul is talking about kind of for his thesis of Colossians. Colossians is one of my favorite letters in the New Testament here. And we're going to read actually Colossians 1, 15 uh, through 20. And in order, like I said, for us to understand Colossians 2, we need to understand Paul's mindset as he's talking to the church in Colossae, this Colossian church. And this is the image that they want to see. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This, again, like I said, this is Paul's thesis statement. This is what he wants you to get before you get any further in Colossians, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and all these other things that he said. There's many things, but two things I want to point out from this to point to Colossians 2. Stay with me, we're jumping here, okay? From this, I want you to see that Paul is saying that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I think we're supposed to see Christ as a unifier. Okay? Say that with me. Christ as the unifier. Unity is at the center of Christ. And not only unity, but fullness. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell with him. That's in verse 19. Uh, Right there. I want to actually read a little bit further. In verse 19 it says, For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell him and through him to reconcile himself to all things, okay? You get this idea of unity, but you get this idea of fullness, that God wanted the fullness of his deity to reside in Jesus, and in Jesus we experience the similar thing. And so uh, the church that we're reading about here in Colossians chapter 2, uh, they're missing these truths. There's no other reason why Paul would would paint this picture so clearly, but they're missing the truth about what he just said about Jesus, okay? They've been eating snacks versus real food. They've been eating stuff. They've been filling their bellies with something, but it's not substantial, okay? And we know this is a blended audience, like so many of the audiences that Paul talks about, so many of the audiences that later come out to be Christians. There's these Jewish Christians, 
and there's Gentile Christians. And they come together, and sometimes it's like oil and water. They just don't mix well. And one of the reasons why they don't mix well is because of what we read about here in chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you about what you eat or drink with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. It seems that some people, although they've become Christians who are Jewish, they still hold these festivals in high regard, right? And I also want to say, I don't blame them. Could, could, do you blame them? I, I don't. Because it's one of those things where in my family, every single Christmas, we ate lasagna, Very Italian family, okay? Every Sunday, or excuse me, not every Sunday, every Christmas, we would eat lasagna. And to not eat lasagna is kind of weird for me on Christmas. And we kind of, me and my wife have kind of kept that tradition going here. We make lasagna on Christmas. And it has nothing to do with Christmas. It has nothing to do with anything special, like, right, like, religious-wise. But it's just a tradition that we did. And it's special to me, right? And so, even more so, These Jewish Christians have had these festivals that have been going on for a very long time. And it wasn't just like eating lasagna on Christmas. This was tied to their very identity as people. These new moon festivals, these Sabbath days, very, very important. Not just tradition-wise, but spiritually important to them. And some people are placing so much emphasis on this while also being Christian that it seems like that, that water and oil is kind of coming up where it's like, this is important to me, but actually there's something much more important that Paul is pointing to them here, right? He says this in Colossians 2, verse 17. Those festivals, all those other things that you guys were doing before, they are a shadow of the things to come. They were important for a time, but something much greater Right? The, the greater that we talked about in Colossians 1.15, the image of the invisible God, right? You with me? Those festivals, those Sabbath day, right? Even when Jesus was on this earth, would, he would like break Sabbath, right? And he would say, is it better for a guy to do a good thing or a bad thing on Sabbath? And it's usually better to do a good thing on the Sabbath. Jesus was, was saying, hey, I'm far greater than just these celebrations, than just these days. And Paul is saying here, they were a shadow of the things to come, the reality is found in Christ. It all returns to Christ. And and I'm saying these are not necessarily bad people, right? But sometimes they're worshiping the wrong things, right? They're worshiping the means of getting their faith rather than the reality of their faith in Jesus. You with me? They love their do-nots here in verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? But the false self, loving these kind of rules that we make sometimes. And sometimes we make the rules out to be the reality. The rules of the do not taste, do not handle, do not touch, become what we worship rather than Christ. They go through the motions, but they still feel a little bit hollow. They are still needing to seek sub sub soon. <laughs> Sorry. Seek some substance. That's hard to say. And Paul refers to this, actually, in Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Paul is talking about this because sometimes it seems that from what we're reading here, is that they've taken these festivals, they've taken these holy days, and they've made them out to be far greater than they actually are. And and Paul is trying to say, actually, Jesus is the reality. 
And if you make those days and you make those festivals your everything, that's a very, very hollow thing to put your faith in, right? And I bring this up because a lot of times when people bring up this text, people like to say other people outside of the church, right? People who are atheists maybe trying to give you hollow or deceptive philosophy. But I'm here to tell you that people inside the church do this really well too. If you're not giving out substance with your faith in or outside of the church, that's you right here. The hollow and deceptive philosophy. I would even say the church is really good at this. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to call anybody out here, but sometimes we as the church can have this hollow and deceptive philosophy where we put on the face and we say, we go to church on Sundays, we go to church, uh, we, we go to Bible camp, we do all these extra things, when in reality those things are just a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of the reality. When we are seeking substance, we have to disavow this hollow and deceptive philosophy that sometimes we rely on. Are you with me? And it seems that, and I say this all the time, people haven't changed very much. We've been reading through Revelation in our teen classes on Sunday mornings, and we just finished the different letters to the different churches. And it seemed like every single time I read through a letter, I would look up and say, people haven't changed very much, have they? People have not changed very much, and we are suffering from the same things that the people here in the Colossian church are are suffering from too, that we are relying on some hollow and deceptive philosophy, that we are relying on our festivals rather than the reality of Christ. So my big question this morning, how do we seek substance in our faith? How do we get rid of the, the junk food, the goldfish, and go towards that steak dinner, that chicken sandwich, whatever is, is, is more fulfilling to you. How do we seek substance in our faith? The first thing I think is very important to do is to check your connection. And I'm going to read again from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Now, at first glance, you might think this is a great insult to give somebody, right? Hey, you've lost connection with your head, man. Uh, You can't think right. Uh, This part between here is just bones, because you're not thinking. Your body's not doing what your head's telling you to do, right? But actually, we need to go back to what Paul was talking about in Colossians 1.15. This is what he says in, in 1.18, excuse me. Start in verse 17. He is before all things, and in, him thing, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So when Paul is talking about they've lost connection with the head, he's not talking about their physical head here, Right? He's talking about they have lost connection with Christ himself. And so I think if we're going to answer this question, how do we seek substance in our faith? We need to recognize, are we even connected to our head? Yeah, I'm walking around. I'm able to do this. You know, I'm able to speak. I'm able to think thoughts. This head's fine. But am I connected to God, Jesus, the head of the church? And and I don't want to sound like 
that, that sounds really easy to check your connection. You know, am I a Christian? Yes. Do I believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about substance. I'm talking about the things that, that Paul is talking about right here. Where we disavow the things that like false humility. We disavow the, just the, the, the idea of the do nots and, and, and cling to what Jesus is actually offering us in our lives. Because if you're just finding your faith, you're just finding your connection to Jesus in this building at this time, then you're not connected. That's it. If you're just finding your connection here this morning, that's not it. There's much, much more to be gained from this. We would not be reading Paul if this was not true. Okay, if we look at Paul's trajectory in life, he had a pretty wild life, right? He was persecuting Christians for a while. He was doing some crazy bad things against the church. But then when he finds out that Jesus has much more in store for him, when he finds out that the fact that in order to pursue God, he has to actually cling to Jesus, his connection is changed drastically, right? And he begins to do this pursuit like nobody else, and he's able to convert so many people to Christ through his actions and through his story. But it was when he, con- when he had that connection, when he checked his connection, is when things changed for Paul. And I think the same thing can be said for us especially if you've been brought up in the church. Sometimes it's harder for those who have been brought up in the church to be able to do this. Are you with me a little bit? <laughs> it's sometimes for us who've been checking boxes our whole lives, not to point any fingers, but the people who love the do-nots, sometimes we have a hard time checking our connection with God. And in order to do that, I think it takes a lot of time and dedicated time to seeing what is Jesus actively doing in my life and how am I pursuing Jesus and seeking true substance, not just the festivals, the new moon, the Sabbath festivals that we're talking about, but the real, the reality, the not the shadow, but the reality of Christ. We need to check our connection. So to remind you how to seek substance in our faith, excuse me, in our faith, one, check your connection. And two, we need to lose connection with the background noise. So, I don't know if you guys like YouTube. <laughs> Sometimes YouTube is awesome. Sometimes YouTube wastes a lot of my time. This was one of those times, okay? I was, I was watching, I, it's not a waste, I guess I'm using an example from it right now. Um, I was watching different bands play, just different interviews with different people, and this interview came up with Dave Grohl. I don't know if you know who he is. He was the drummer for Nirvana. He's the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. Uh, great musician. And it was, it was early on in, in his career. Uh, and in the interview, he was going to play a, a song live, and it was, it was the song My Hero. And the whole song uh, is very, very popular. I, I suggest you, you look it up maybe. And he says, I'm going to play My Hero. And the, the interviewer is like, oh, I love that song. It always makes me cry. And, and, and for all you listeners who don't know what it's about, it's about Kurt Cobain, and it's about this, and it's about that. And, it's, and then Dave Grohl goes, no, it's not. It was kind of awkward. He's like, no, it's not. And then the other person in the room is that she's like, well, actually, it's about this, and it's about that. And Dave Grohl's like, no, it's not. It's actually about ordinary people being heroes. And they're like, yeah, but that's actually about Kurt Cobain. He's like, it's really not. <laughs> and he like had to reassure them over and over and over again. I'm like, you are telling the guy who wrote the song what his song is about? Like, that seems so silly. 
But let's bring that to our context here. Sometimes when we walk through our faith, especially if we grew up in the church, we've allowed people to tell us about our faith our entire lives. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to teachers. I'm a teacher. I hope that some of the things I say is kind of true, right? But if we are not allowing our faith to be molded by our experience and how we connect with Christ, we're allowing somebody else's faith to be our own. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. Uh, the youth ministry, MYM, kind of our mission statement. It's not really a statement, it's, it's four words. It's owning faith and living faith. Own your faith and live your faith. Not your daddy's faith, not your grandmother's faith. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad. Don't hear me saying, walking away saying, you, are you saying my grandmother's a bad person? No, absolutely not. If it wasn't for my grandmother, I probably would not be where I am right now. Okay? Those are very significant people. And I'm not trying to take away from what they did for us in our faith and in our tradition. But sometimes those things become the shadow of the reality of Christ. Their faith impacts us so much that we never ask our own questions. We never develop our own relationship with Christ, and that's a problem. Because if we want to be connected to the head that is Christ, we have to have that connection ourselves. Not through our grandparents, through our daddy, through our best friend, whoever else. I had to learn that lesson pretty hard. I started dating a really cute girl in high school. She's over there, and, you know, she's still really cute. And... She was way more spiritual than me. And she broke up with me because I was being wild and crazy. And she gave me that reality check. She's like, hey, we're not going to be together if you can't get this stuff together. And then through that experience, not just that experience, it was a lot of things going on. But through those different experiences, I had to ask myself the question, okay, why am I going to commit my life to Christ? It's not going to be her faith. It's not going to be my mother's faith. It's going to have to be my faith. We need to, in order to seek substance, we need to check our connection with the head. We need to lose connection with that background noise and see what Christ is calling us to do in our stories. Don't let someone define your faith for you. You need to be connected to the head and pursue Christ in that way. So as we wrap up today... You know, I hope you have some snacks this afternoon, right, before your Sunday nap. I know a lot of people like to do that. But it's almost like a reminder. What are we seeking? Are we seeking the temporary things that might fill us up for a moment? Or are we seeking substance that will fill us up and give us good energy, give us those good things, those good nutrients to continue living and interacting in this world? I pray this morning that we can seek substance in a new way, not only as an individual, but collectively as a church, continue to pursue substance. Let's pray. Lord, I, there's, there's so many things happening at this, at this time in our world, and, I, and I, sometimes it's easy to be distracted from what you were calling us to do. Sometimes it's easier just to show up here on Sunday morning and to get that junk food uh, just the, that little satisfaction for the moment. When in reality, God, you are calling us to seek substance that will change our world, change our lives, and change the lives of those around us. God, I pray that we can continue to seek substance individually and as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs, I'd 
say, you know, please make them known. We as a church want to pray for you, want to lift you up, want to give you whatever you need. We have elders, we have non-elders, we have great people here who are ready to stand beside you and walk through life uh, together. If you have a physical need, a spiritual need, whatever it might be, I hope that you come while we stand as we sing. But if you don't want to come forward, then don't come forward. Grab somebody that you love and that you trust and have that conversation with them because I think that through those conversations, substance can be found. Let's stand and sing.